Hi everyone, happy Wicked Wednesday and welcome to Shivers. As we see an emergence of horror movies that break free from the mold of traditional ghost or slasher movies, we get many that fall into this genre called elevated horror. Today, these are the type of movies that we're talking about. Where they came from, who created them, why, and which ones are really worth watching. The term elevated horror was really established in 2019 to describe a wave of horror movies mostly produced by the company A24 that intertwined their storytelling with metaphor and strong craftsmanship over jump scares and twists, with most creating endings and imagery that stick with you long after the movie has ended. People looking to watch elevated horror movies are looking for the most extreme in terms of storytelling. How scary can scary be? What can I actually handle? Let's figure all of that out and experience it in environments and situations where I know I'm completely safe. These movies won't hurt me, but if they're doing it right, then maybe I feel like they will. And that alone is the allure that brings so many people back to this genre, looking for these experiences time and time again. The main person that is affiliated with elevated horror is a man named Ari Aster. He came from a family of artists and his movies are all dubbed as elevated horror, but he truly calls them artistic horror. He doesn't say that his movies are really anything original or new and that he's gained inspiration from movies like Rosemary's Baby and films that really match the speed of that. In general, he has extreme anxiety and is very worrisome in his real life. And he says that making these movies provides a cathartic release to inflict these worst case scenarios on fictitious people, which I think is really interesting. He's a New York native, and he studied filmmaking at the AFI Conservatory in Los Angeles. His thesis film, The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, ended up becoming a viral sensation. The story stirred up controversy with its themes of incest and sexual abuse, and the director's decision to have the family at the center be African-American only added to the debate. He continued directing short films, including Munchausen, The Turtle's Head, and C'est La Vie, and he garnered acclaim with his first feature-length film, Hereditary, in 2018. The horror tale centered around a family with a history of mental illness and disturbing deaths. It earned extreme praise and was a surprise hit with audiences. He followed this with the psychological thriller Midsummer, and has a new movie coming out this year, Bo is Afraid. Another director that is really associated with this genre is Robert Eggers. He earned a reputation for his eerie and elaborate costumes and production design for a variety of independent shorts before making a debut as a writer-director of features within the period horror area. Born and raised in New England, he developed an interest in folklore, fairy tale, and the macabre fiction from an early age, and parlayed that fascination into a career in illustration and design. He began in theater but soon transitioned to independent films as a production designer before making his directorial debut in 2007 with an adaptation of Hansel and Gretel. The following year, he combined live action and puppets for a version of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart that was featured at numerous international film festivals. He continued to employ his unique vision as a production, costume, and art designer for a variety of shorts and features, including the independent horror film Yellow Brick Road in 2010. In 2013, he directed his third short, a period revenge drama titled Brothers, before making his feature film debut with The Witch, another A24 film, in 2014. 
a supernatural thriller set in 17th century New England. The film earned him a place on Filmmakers Magazine list of 2014 New Faces of Independent Film and premiered at the 2015 Sundance Film Festival. Now, getting into these movies a little bit more about their actual stories, we'll just take a couple that we already talked about and dive a little bit deeper. So at the number one spot, let's talk more about The Witch. So this movie was shot entirely in natural light. Everything happens during the day until the very ending. And their costumes are made only from the actual old time fabric that was used back in the day. Many of the dialogues in this movie were directly from the witch trials too, making the film have a superior level of authenticity, which adds to the believability of it. The main character has a father who really believes that she is a witch and that witchy things are happening in this town, and the father of this main family is a religious man. Believing that the witches are women who are Satan's sidekicks, lurking in the shadows, feeding off of men's temptations. After the youngest son in the family is murdered by a witch, the daughter is accused of being the witch that did this to her brother. She was not, but she was forced out of her home because of this, leading her to speak with the devil and join the coven of witches anyway. Basically, a be careful what you wish for situation. Her emerging womanhood and the fears of puberty are used as the strongholds that anchor her power, but are ultimately what makes her father believe that it was her. This calls out the issues with religion and the unjust chains that are put onto young women through puberty when they cannot control it. The fear in this movie for women is that of puberty and what you cannot control and that it can ultimately lead to your demise. The fear in this movie for men is that women are powerful in even the most unjust situations. Getting into the next movie of Midsummer, Midsummer is considered a folk horror for our American characters and a fairy tale and wish fulfillment film for our main character, Danny. Midsummer focuses on American college students attending the Midsummer event in Sweden with their foreign exchange student, getting a front row seat into proper traditions. Not knowing the horrifying traditions of this community in particular, these Americans find themselves picked off one by one, and our main character reels from the loss of her family and now her friends. This film has a lot of authentic calls to the traditions of Midsummer, but it turns on its head by pulling on sacrificial and ritualistic threads. This film is also a tragedy film that looks at how people respond and recoup from loss. Ari Aster wrote this story while going through a breakup and felt as though all of his past relationships required him to sacrifice something of himself. So he put that on screen as a visualization of people in toxic relationships that must sacrifice something of themselves to be in this relationship or sacrifice the relationship itself to finally be happy with our main character smiling at the end after she kills her horrible boyfriend. Midsummer and the Wicker Man focus on the religious differences that can turn deadly and that at the end of the day, no matter your religion, your faith will not save you from death. Midsummer takes on the same religious reasons as the Wicker Man, but has larger focus on being a dark breakup movie. Midsummer shows you why people join cults. It's not about murdering or justifying it, but that you're a part of some collective and the collective empathy is your now chosen family and what they can do for you. Getting on to the next movie, which is Hereditary, another from Ari Aster. This movie is about a family that's essentially walking one another into madness. 
Um, as mentioned before, all of them have some sort of mental illness, an issue with mental illness before, but it is found out through the course of this movie that there are also many ties to different cults through the mother and her mother's side of the family. So this really shakes up the structure of the horror genre and adds some slosh to it. The family and hereditary are basically dolls and dollhouses being manipulated by the cult that is floating around them. The cult members in this movie use pain to manipulate people. Once the cult members infiltrate the family for the last time, the supernatural witchy orgy of violence ensues. This movie is a family tragedy that feels the same as a romantic breakup. The world is crumbling around you as if the apocalypse is happening and things are so bad that you believe that when it rains, it pours, which is actually true in this family because they are cursed. The little girl in this movie has her head popped off on a pole, and that was apparently inspired by the psycho shower scene. The impactfulness of it makes the film take a sharp turn. It's a mix of tastefulness and confrontation. Ari Aster's heavy attention goes into sound work, and he's not afraid to use silence in his movies, which makes people feel very upset. As our last movie on this list, we have The Babadook. Babadook was released in 2014 and centers around a single mother trying her best with a very badly behaved child. Their house is falling apart, they're delinquent on their rent, and the psychological toll of it all can be seen on the mother's face. She comes across a pop-up book about this creature called the Babadook on her bookshelf as she's choosing to read to her son before bed. As she's reading, it's evident that this book is not right and has a slow burn scare all throughout it. The idea behind the Babadook himself is that it's this creature that terrorizes people when they believe that he's real. The more you deny him, the stronger he gets. The strain of the threat of the Babadook is seen in the mother as her psyche deteriorates throughout the film, and can also be seen in the increased intensity of her son's freakouts that all stem from the Babadook getting into their heads. Thanks for listening to today's Wicked Wednesday. If you're looking for some extra edge to add to your horror movie watching, check out a few of these heavy hitters and see if they're for you. For those of you who want to continue talking about all things spooky, you can sign up for the Shivers Meetup page and be actively part of the conversation and discussion. We'll be adding some in-person events for 2023 as well, which can be anywhere in the U.S., so feel free to send in your requests for events. Yesterday was our first in-person event where we went to the movies to see Megan, which was super fun. I'll be posting a review of the movie this Friday, but hope to see you all at more events coming up. Enjoy your day, everyone.